Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. You know, this episode takes me back to high school and college when those badges of honors by the great athletes that were on campus had to, you know, the Letterman sweaters and the big letters and the Letterman's jackets. Well, where did this tradition come from and how did it go back in the day? Well, Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology joins us today to tell us about honoring the sweaters and jackets and our tradition of football history with footballarchaeology.com coming up in just a moment this is the pigskin daily history dispatch a podcast that covers the anniversaries of american football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis your host darren hayes is podcasting from america's north shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time so as we come out of the tunnel of the sports history network let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we are at that mark of the week. It's Tuesday. It's footballarchaeology.com day. And we have the author and uh, the creator of footballarchaeology.com, Timothy P. Brown, here to talk about another great tidbit he had coming from January. And uh, Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Uh, Good to see you again and chat and Looking forward to uh, you can't see, but I'm wearing a sweater and a jacket with my, you know, from with my letter, letter sweater and letter jacket from back in the day. I've got those on right now and wearing them proudly because I used to throw the ball over the mountain if you uh, if you weren't aware of that before. <laughs> Uh, okay, Uncle Rico, <laughs> I'll, get you, I'll get you that Napoleon Dynamite uh, reference there. Uh, but uh, Tim, that's a good segue into your tidbit you're, you're, we're going to talk about today, and it's titled Sweaters and Jackets. So this is uh, a lot to do with the attire of the of uh, people playing football back in the day. So we're interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, you know, so I, I think some of the most fascinating things about football are the equipment and the gear war. And and part of what's fun about it is just that there in many cases there are images that exist, either images of games or the team pictures that were posed in some photographer's office. And one of the things I really enjoy are are the old catalogs. You know, I, one of the things I collect are old sporting catalogs. And so you see those peppered, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, I've got something in my tidbits that includes an image from a catalog. So, um, so you know, I, I think most people are aware that the, you know, if you're a fan of football history, that football, um, that in the early days, players often wore a fairly heavy sweater, um, you know, Pretty significant, you know, big big yarn, big threads, big yarn, heavy sweater, um, and 
oftentimes it had the school letter on the front. So if you were Yale, you had a big Y in front. If you were Harvard, you had a H in front. And, you know, so whatever else, you know, whatever other letters that, that are out there. Um, so that's very common. And so one of the things that, one of the traditions that began, um, and this is, you know, 18, late 1880s, early 1890s, was, you know, back then, if you look at most team schedules, like a Harvard and Yale, they kind of, like, similar to what happens now, but they kind of filled their early schedule by playing what they would have thought of as minor opponents. And then they kind of saved their, their best game and their best plays and their best players for the big games at the end of the season. So if you were on the team and you played and if you played for Harvard and you played against Yale or you played against Princeton, then at the end of the year, you got to keep the sweater that you wore in the game, which had the big H on the front of it. And so that became a tradition. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember the days when there were no, you know, you couldn't go to the local mall and buy athletic gear and it, there was no internet either. So, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, so athletic gear, team gear simply was not available. And so if you were able to get your hands on team issued clothing from a college team, whether you played on the damn thing or not, that was pretty cool stuff, you know, because, you, you know, you could strut your stuff. You were you had this pretty neat team gear walking around. If, and people who knew knew that you had this, that you had gotten that gear. So it was the same thing with these guys. You know, they walked around campus and everybody knew that if you wore this particular sweater, that you had played in one of the games. And in fact, early on, a lot of the team, a lot of the colleges would if the if the Y was a certain shape or had certain flourishes for football, the basketball team or the crew team or who whatever else, especially the teams they considered minor sports, they didn't get to wear exactly the same Y or the same H. They had to wear something. You know, they got something else, and or they smaller letters. And so you know it, it was just this whole thing. Right? The football guys got to wear the football sweaters. So, anyways. That all worked fine for, you know, maybe a decade or two. And then it got, it, then it became a thing where obviously football gear then started changing, but also, you know, it's like nobody wanted to, you know, you couldn't wear the big heavy wool sweater all year round. So they started wearing, they started modifying the letter sweaters to become something that you might wear at a, an appropriate, you know, appropriately at in some kind of social occasion. So it was lighter as cotton. It had pockets. It had buttons. It was a cardigan, whatever, right? So it was just they started making these sweaters be more into a true award in a separate piece of gear or apparel than the actual uh, piece that you had worn on the field. Um, and they, you know, they also started doing charms and blankets and all kinds of stuff. But you know, basically. Um, and then by like the 1920s, they moved to a lot of the sweaters had like an emblem. So if you were the Tigers, you might have a patch near one of the pockets that was a tight, you know, had the head of a tiger. If you were the Lions or 
whatever, you know, whatever team you were, the Trojans, you had some kind of patch in addition to, um, you know, the, the letter sweater or the letters. And then they also, it was in that kind of time period where they also, um, they had numerals, you know, so like by 1905, I think it was Harvard that had the first numerals, but you know, that was, if you were, if you played as a freshman, you were on the freshman team and you were on the night, you know, the team that was going to graduate in 1908, then you got, you could get a sweater and wear just your numerals on the sweater, right? No letter yet, just the numerals, which I think everybody, you know, is familiar with from, from the high school days. But um, so anyways, that, that kind of stuff just went on and, then eventually in the 1930s, we got to the point where um, really, I don't think for any particular reason, but then the the, uh, the sporting manufacturers who were very happy to sell as many damn sweaters as they could, um, <laughs> they started selling jackets as well. So they designed these jackets. Um, and the early ones didn't really look like the, you know, kind of leather sleeved, uh, and I don't even know what, wool i guess it was you know the you know kind of the i don't know, you know well the traditional letter jack right right i think uh, i think it's wool, wool on the, the mid part the mid section yeah yeah and so um so anyways i mean they started selling those in the early well they started marketing them in the early 30s and and then they became popular and for a while they were sat and then uh but you know so anyways it's just one of those things where um the jackets basically kind of replace the sweater. Now, when I was in high school, there were still guys who would, who had, no, uh, we had this thing called the Cardinal Club. So it was like the Letterman's Society or whatever. And so there were still guys who would buy the Letterman's sweaters and wear them periodically, but it was pretty, very much, you know, I don't think of any of my class wore them, but there were, you know, some of the older guys who did. So, I mean, it was just, it was one of those things that faded out, but it, almost everybody wore a letter jacket, you know, and then it, then it became a thing where, you know, the, the marching band has them and, you know, it, it's become this much more dem democratic sort of thing instead of being this elite award only for the football players and everybody else has something less than, than that. Now it's become much more of a widespread award, um, which I just, I just find, you know, whatever. I, I find that kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. So. That uh, make, makes me think of a, a story I heard with Amos Alonzo Stagg, the, the great coach at the uh, university of Chicago. And he would give out uh, uh, the, a blanket, like you talked about earlier that had the, I guess a C on it for Chicago yeah. uh, to, to the seniors that played in whatever the big game was and what his uh, things that he would tell them. And I guess he practiced this. If somebody would go professional, which he was dead set against professional football. If one of his pl former players would go and play professional football, he would ask them for the blanket back. That was sort of their punishment. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I can read, I was reading it somewhere. There's people that like dreaded it. Didn't want to lose their damn blanket because it was just such a, a discrediting dishonorable thing to do to, to coach stag that they, they wouldn't play pro football and, you know, for probably made more money at uh, being a banker or something than, than playing football yeah. back then anyway. But uh, it's amazing how those, yeah, well, those uh, life of their own. So I think he, he established blank and most schools that there's still schools that award blankets today. And that was a separate kind of an award because anybody 
any fool could win a letter for one season. The blanket was for somebody who earned three letters or, you know, they had won the award three or four times. And um, yeah, so, I mean, he started that in like 1902 or something. I've got like, I've got the program from the 1911 Order of the Sea ceremony at U Chicago. So, and that was, I think, the eighth one at the time. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, just as many things as a guy like Stagg, came up with and innovated on the field. He also did some things off the field, like, you know, blankets and the first Letterman Society, which effectively was what the Order of the Sea was. Hmm. Fascinating stuff. It's a, a great part of the game that uh, that's off the field, but it's uh, you know it's very interesting indeed to, to look at. And uh, very, that, now, do have you seen any of these, like, old sweaters, like in anybody's collections or anything that uh, some of these – from a hundred years ago or like this 1910 when you get pictured. So, you know, there's, um, there's some, some folks that I, you know, our friends correspond that I correspond with and we train information and yeah. So some have those, have those old items and it's, I mean, they are very rare. They're they're different to take. And it, it, especially the, it's one thing to have like an old sweater from and, not to make fun of an Otterbein or somebody like that, but you know, there, there's lots of small little liberal arts schools all over the country that, Hey, that's cool. And, and a lot of people would love to have an old sweater like that in their collection. But if you got a Harvard or Yale or somebody like that, you know, that's a big time deal. Those are thousands of dollars for items like that, you know, oh, so easy. So it just depends on condition and, you know, provenance, all those kinds of things. So, it's uh, they can be very very valuable. Hmm, I bet they are, uh, especially if keep them away from the moths for over a century. That's a that's always a good thing too, to yeah. keep the value up. I only have them in pictures. I do not. <laughs> well, I the do closest not have a... closest thing I've ever come to is like going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and seeing you know a nineteen twenties you know uh, like red grange or, or somebody from the canton bulldogs yeah. or any of their, their sweaters there you know so it uh it's you're talking 10 20 years earlier and what you're talking about so can't even imagine that so hey great great stuff as always tim uh now you know the listeners uh would probably love to to enjoy these tidbits every day as well maybe you could uh, give them some information to to share the tidbits with them as well yeah sure so uh the best way to to get the tidbit every day is to follow me on or subscribe to my um, to footballarchaeology.com. If you do, you'll get a tidbit uh, at seven o'clock every day uh, via email. So it'll have the contents of the, of the, the, the story there. Um, so, you know, send out uh, two to three times a month. I send out kind of longer form articles um, as well as each week I send out a, a link to this, to, to our podcast. Um, and then, you know, alternatively, you can follow me on, on Twitter, uh, football archaeology is my, is my name, uh, or at FOF strife. So, um, either way, whatever works for you. Um, but if you subscribe, at least, you know, that you're going to get it and you can pile them up and read them on the weekend when you, when you've got more time. 
Uh, good, good deal. Multiple ways to, to get the tidbits and uh, uh, hopefully everybody will take advantage of that and uh, you know, read Tim's work each and every day because it's very interesting stuff. And the, the pictures are just out of this world. Uh, some of these images, like the the one from this catalog from 1910 that we talked about today with the sweaters pictured in it. It's a uh, picture's worth a thousand words and uh, definitely is in these cases with the tidbits. So, Tim, uh, thank you very much for joining us and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, sir, and we'll uh, look forward to next Tuesday. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.